Welcome to the Baseball STL Podcast. JJ Bailey back with you again. And today we are graciously joined by St. Louis media royalty, Ben Fredrickson, sports columnist for the Post Dispatch, the venerable Post Dispatch, is in the building. He has joined us in our uh, kitchen studio. Benjamin, how are you? I'm just, uh, I got, I'm a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I watch cooking is like my favorite thing outside of sports. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm good at it. I like eating. Right. So to it's be on to this answer. set is, um, it's a big deal for me. It is good. I it? took a photo. I, 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 I teased my new cooking show that you yeah. aptly named Crushing Calories. Crushing Calories. Yes, sir. Just made it up, but hopefully, like maybe some of the networks in town, if not KMOV wants to jump on it. Yeah, I mean, you could probably listen shout to out like anybody. Yes, yeah. Maybe yeah. I could just come on and do like a food review. No, it'd be good. Eat on camera. I think that's what a lot of people would be interested in seeing. Well, we got a great five or four four cooktop there. We got a fridge. We got all kinds of amenities here. I don't know why uh, you ever so leave this room. You can really eat. You, I mean, you can really uh, take this for a test drive when we're when we're wrapping <laughs> up here. Also, to my right, joining me. As he does every week, is our producer Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, as always. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Steve Ritter. You can follow Ben Fred on Twitter at Ben underscore Fred. There you go. And you can follow me on Twitter at the JJ Bailey. But don't waste your time. All right, Cardinals, forty-eight, forty-six, seven and a half game back in the NL, five games away from those sneaky, sneaky Reds, four games back. In the All Star, or I'm sorry, in the NL Wild Card. Um, obviously, they get a nice little reprieve here. Uh, everybody gets to come back down from the hullabaloo that was this weekend that happened in between our last episode and today. Uh, so, if you just got back from a year on the International Space Station, you don't know Mike Matheny is out as manager. Cardinals announced it 10:30 p.m. after the 8-2 loss to the Reds, which was preceded by a 9-1 loss to the Reds, and Sunday introduced Mike Schilt to a packed media room as the interim manager. Uh, John Mozeliak, before we go any farther in this, uh, has has confirmed that the team does not plan to make a change at manager until the end of the season, so it looks like this is Mike Schilt's ship to pilot heading into this second half. Ben, we'll get right to it. You've written a lot about it. You've written a lot about Mike. You've had a tumultuous relationship at times with the, with the manager. Um, first impressions of this... Were you surprised at the timing of this, uh, or or is that question out me as a rube? No, I I don't think uh, the timing caught me off guard um, a little bit. Not it didn't floor me. Um, I thought kind of the way the season was playing out. I honestly thought what was going to happen was the Cardinals were going to tell Mike Matheny, "Hey, let's just lay it out on the table. You have the rest of the season to get in, and if not, we're going to make a change." Okay. Um, I, that's what I assumed was going to happen. Um, I had no, um, I had no assumption that if Mike Matheny did not get this team into the postseason, that he would be back um, for another year as manager. Yeah. But I, I think he that, knew that. And I thought um, that. And I wrote, is, I wrote that, that. I think that you know this. I mean, it's it's completely clear that if they, if they miss the postseason again, all the talk about it being unacceptable, they have to do something to prove that it isn't ex- acceptable. And and you saw. You had you know, the writing was on the wall when when Bill Dewitt did the interview um, with Rick Hummel and and said this is a good team we should be better than we are our offense has underperformed and then there was kind of that pause in the you were waiting to read the quotes supporting Matheny and, we and, have they, every and faith they never that Mike can get the ship on the they never yeah. came there was no vote of confidence and that to me showed that whatever support was there had been tabled um, and then I think it got to the point where the Cardinals were not seeing any signs that this was going to have another surge. Um, the bottom dropped out in Milwaukee in that terrible game there. The Cardinals yeah. kind of got up back up off the mat and said, we're, we're still going to fight for this manager. Then then these games started coming at home. And when you lose six games at home, yeah. this crowd, it deserves better um, for a team that is that is kind of trying to stay in the fight. And it wasn't just the losses at home. It was the style of play. And the way the losses were happening. You weren't really seeing anything change. Um, occasionally there would be this burst of playing the way the game should be played, and then it would just kind of yeah, fall they, back they out. The bottom up, just kept dropping out. They for double-digit runs, and they looked like and it, know, and the it, best it team in the league. It was not just they were game. losing, it was how. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where the front office got, was we have to, we can either continue to do this, and it's just going to get very sour uh, through the end of the season, or we can – we have a guy in, internally who we would like to see what he does with this team. 
Um, maybe it is maybe it is just a voice, a change of voice, and let's see what can happen. If, if we're going to legitimately consider this man, Mike Schilt, as a managerial candidate, here is an opportunity to give him 69 games to see what he can do. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's why the timing was. Now, Mo said the decision came Friday. Um, certainly anything they saw Saturday didn't make them want to yeah. change their mind. And I mind. don't think that there was going to be anything they'd seen Saturday. And the, and the time I was a little surprised it happened with one game left, but the explanation makes some sense. He wanted Schilt to get a chance to address the team yeah, before, before everybody, everybody broke and yeah. scattered for the break. So that makes sense. Um, I certainly didn't sound like Mike Matheny was surprised. Um, I think he kind of knew the writing was on the wall there. So really no surprise other than, you know, the timing was a little sooner than I expected, but I think it speaks to the urgency this team is feeling. And I, yeah. was, I was interested and in the comments. And it was very comments. clear on the, the – the, the, we, you know, the quote I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but, like, we believe there is enough talent in that room to, ma- to make the playoffs. Yeah, this abs- team should compete. And, you know, I posited this question, and I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on this because my question was the Cardinals now kind of have a face of choice. Are they – did – Change for change's sake, is that the move to unlock the roster? Do they believe that this team is good enough and we needed someone new? Who that someone was wasn't as critical as they were someone different? Or are they going to look at this team and decide this team is no longer bigger than the manager? We need the right guy to make this team work. You know, they kind of gave the impression that that team in there is good enough to get to the playoffs. We think that installing a new person on top will facilitate that. But if they miss the playoffs, do they look at it as, look, we've got a roster, but we need the right manager to make it all work? But and I'm not, I, and is, do you think that's a fair crossroads, or do you think that that's – I'm oversimplifying it? Well, I think they're – I think the amount of energy they spent showing and telling us they were confident in this team's talent, mm-hmm. to me, was really a – it was really about – them saying we were not pleased with the way this team was trending under Matheny. Yeah. Um, it was not, hey, you know, we kind of heard a little bit of, hey, this is on all of us. We're all in this together. But the primary takeaway from that press conference was this team is better than it played under that manager. Well, and coming from the front office, it also kind of had a ring of, no, 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 no. We put together a good team. This isn't necessarily that That's, we didn't build a, bi- a better roster. This is, we're saying this team is is what we thought it was. It's just not playing that way. Right. And, and you, we can all look at that and say, I don't know if I feel so confident about that. Um, I agree with the decision to make the change, but I don't know that this team, you know, that's the big question. Can this team show a different side of itself under under Mike Schilt? I do think the Cardinals are legitimately interested in how a team plays under him and the yeah. kind of decisions that he makes. So I think that factored into that factored into this. They've groomed him. Um, for this yeah. opportunity, and it, didn't, um, it certainly didn't read like they were expecting him to just simply keep a seat warm no, until they can get no, to 2019. I was told that he will be given. This is an extended interview, and I asked Mr. Dewitt straight up. I said, "What if he makes you call off a search?" I yeah. said, "Is that open?" He said, "That'd be great. That's yeah. what they want. Well, yeah, they would love to have they that." Don't, yeah, that's why the firing mid-season was so, such, now so you, jarring because they like continuity. They don't do. They do not fire their manager in season. Well, yeah, but they also. I think Dewitt had a great line for that. He said, "Yeah, we, we like more is consistent winning." winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's and that was to me that was a, a, a line to hold on to because if this team doesn't show a different style or doesn't play better under Schilt. Um, then the question is going to come back at the end of the season, and it's going to be you guys sat up here and said you had a, a postseason-worthy team. You made a change within a chance to make that happen. It didn't happen. So now are you acknowledging that the team that you built was not as good as mm-hmm. as, as you thought? Did you misplay the roster? Um, and that will be a question that was going to, you know, that Mo and, and that DeWitt are going to have to answer. There is pressure building on everybody involved. Um, DeWitt has shown in firing Matheny, who he very much liked, that that it's not it's not that no one is safe. Um, now Mo is much safer than Matheny was. And Mo has the six more success. Mo has a longer relationship with Mr. DeWitt. Um, I th- I'd like to try to point this out because I have fans who tell me why isn't there criticism on Mo? Why is everyone giving Mo a pass and no one's giving him a pass? Very clearly, he's built a roster that has flaws. Yeah. Um, now we see more flaws than they do. And they're gonna. That question is gonna have to come to a head. Either they're gonna be right, or or, or the rest of us are gonna be right. Yeah. Um, but to to say that he is in the same spot as Mike is to distort the truth. I mean, he is no, much better standing with his boss than mm-hmm. than Matheny was. But and, that being said, that, like that the, being the, said, the the, the, the longer the, you go without winning, the more pressure's on everyone. 
Yeah, and I think for the like the, the metrics by which you can judge GM's success, he has had more successes than the metrics by, by which he would judge the manager. You know what I mean? Like, sure, well, having a ring makes a big difference. Yeah, and um, I mean, just even some of his, you know, there have been some fairly high-profile, high-dollar misses on contracts, but you can go back in almost any individual season and see one or two signings that appeared to be head-scratchers that turned out to, to be in some in some situations massive problem solvers you know like the way that he was able to identify Mujica and Nishak and those are just a couple like relievers even the Norris signing this year like a lot of that stuff from a baseball like performance standpoint he has gotten right and so there's a few of these that are big that at this point look like he's gotten them wrong but he still has a much higher track record I think of of coming through on his duties and coming out the other side looking pretty green or not pretty green but like looking pretty good well yeah the problem is they're starting to, to add up a little bit on the on the opposite end and the bigger ones the Fowler it's the money and too the Brett behind Cecil. Him, yeah. um but you know part of me too that that's some of some of, some of that's on DeWitt too because the Cardinals are in a spot where they have well, for whatever reasons um a lot of them have turned out in their favor they have shied away from going out and overspending to get the top tier talent they've maybe put themselves in that conversation or maybe they've had someone come in and outbid them some crazy amount like a david price situation but where that leaves you is you are gay trying to get bargain guys some of those have worked out really well yeah Um, bud norris is an example um but you're if but then they've also been maybe settling for second second tier free agents and those are probably those are a little bit of gambles because while you're not spending as much, you're spending you have you're spending a lot, and they're probably more likely to not deliver. Well, it's, um, if you spend if you spend David Price money, you're more likely to get David Price not in Boston. I think he would probably be a much different pitcher <laughs> if he wasn't yeah. if things had not gone so poorly for him there in terms of just even off the field stuff. But you know when you when you're when you're risking bigger money for for free agents that are not the highest level, then you there's a little more tendency for things to maybe go wrong as opposed to a bargain deal which if it goes wrong well you were you you were just trying to hit the lottery you can't tend to overpay i think too because as you miss on tier a you start looking at tier b and you start saying well if i don't get someone in this tier now we're looking at tier c and so you you pay up to make sure you get that and like you said you you immediately the risk reward starts to skew in the wrong direction so i think some of that some of that pushback goes on on dewitt too now I, i don't think anybody is you know, the bottom line, the Cardinals, you heard what Mr. DeWitt said. We want to be in the postseason. We want to win, and, and we want to win at home, and we want to play the kind of baseball that our fan base can be proud of. So if that can't be gained, then anybody, you know, nobody's sitting around feeling like they're they're real safe. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, to, to say that John Mozeliak is on the hot seat, it's probably disingenuous to what the hot seat really is. Pressure's yeah. building on him. Um, I think what DeWitt has to decide, and the, the part of the, how this season goes will f- will factor into that is, if this season does not, if the Cardinals don't pull out a run here, and I don't, other than the Schilt promise, what can you expect will it be different? Um, you hope they respond under Schilt. If they don't, then DeWitt's going to have to decide what do we, what are, what's our plan here, and that's when you decide is Mosey like the right guy to lead that plan of getting us back. Yeah. That's the question that, that, that has to be sorted out. And there's still time to get evidence on both sides, depending on how this season plays out. Well, and you got – I mean, if, if you're Mike Schilt, I know he's a pretty even-keeled guy, uh, but it's got to be got to be sleeping a little restlessly knowing that you come out of this break and you've got, what, five with the Cubs to start it, and you are the only game in the second half that's – you know, every other team is off and it's just you and the Cubs playing so everyone can watch it. And you got the you got five with the Cubs and you play the Reds who just took two or three from you and then play the Cubs again. So, I mean, he comes out of the gate running straight uphill, you know, like right into a, an on-rushing <laughs> locomotive. And I think what they're looking for here is I still believe that Schilt can be the, the manager if they miss the playoffs – not if they if they beat themselves out of the playoffs, but I think you see if they start playing actual defense, if they can get some semblance of normality in an offense, some some reasonable expectation of production, if they can stop losing games at home. I mean, when you go back and look at that, they won 50 games at home every year from 12 to 15, and then they had a losing record at home the next season, I believe, and they haven't they haven't won 50 cents, and they're losing the bulk of series, and I think part of that is he can. 
because they start in a, a not a, like a huge hole, but a significant one, if they play really well and are in contention, but are unable to make up the ground because everyone else continues to play well, but they look like a playoff team, I think he's got a chance. Now, what we saw in one game, you know, I how do, how much you make of that, I don't know, but you saw some things I think that were immediately encouraging, and I think the first thing that I took away was he was candid about his decision-making, and I think that is going to really repair some of this with fans because a decision might have gone wrong, but at least if you can understand the justification behind it, people don't feel like they're having the wool pulled over their eyes, you know? I think the fact that he shook up the lineup right away and then walked through it and talked about exactly why each guy was in that spot and why he wanted to do that, the fact that he was completely comfortable pulling a pitcher for a pinch hitter when he smelled blood in the water and then went back and said, you only get maybe one of those chances, you have to take it. There's a, there's a, a pairing of decision-making and explanation that you have not had in six and a half seasons. And it's, it seems very clear that he's comfortable walking you through it because he's, he's secure that he's making, at least, if not the right decision, a, an informed one that he can very calmly back up. Yep, I think you nailed it. I think all of that comes down to confidence in the moves that were made. Um, you're not going to agree with everyone, but here's why I did it, and that's what I have to say about that. And it doesn't he, – he did not treat uh, one game after a win. We'll see how it, how it goes. But yep. he didn't treat questions about why he did what he did as an interrogation. Mm-hmm. It was a conversation. And I think this, these fans really appreciate that. I think it was one thing that Matheny would have really helped himself with if he could have ever gotten to a point where he could just talk about his decisions without sounding so defensive. Um, it never happened. It happened at times, then it would immediately disappear. And I think fans, you know, they want to know. They want to. They just want to know the insight that went into it, and they want to get mad when when they disagree with something. And that's yeah. part of baseball. But Schilt is not going to feel like he can't explain why something happened, and he has the faith and the trust of his players to know that when he goes up there and says, "Yeah, we moved this guy down because we want to give him a different look," he's not. The players don't think that's throwing them under the bus. They yeah. know if they're performing it, they're or not. They're not going to read it as you know, a Sometimes this thing. idea of Matheny protecting the players got distorted to this point where he was actually, I think, hurting them because I, he yeah. was he was being so overprotective unnecessarily that guys would come in and say, why don't they just, yeah, I, I messed up the bunt. You know, yeah. it happens. But the, I, think, I think you'll see some fresh air in the press conferences. Um, and I don't want to focus on that too much because it's like, it's about winning, and it's about playing the game. Yes. And if, if Matheny was was standoffish toward the media, and they were twenty games above five hundred right now, it would he matter. would he would but still I have think, a job. I think for fans, it, it it does ease some of the frustration when you get results that yes. you don't like, because they at least feel like they understand how we got there, and it doesn't feel like all of this was bad decision making. Sometimes it's no, we did the right thing. It just didn't work out this time. I think there's it eases the pressure from fans when they don't feel like they're constantly being told. No, no, this is everything's fine. You don't get it. This is ice cream, and they're like, really? Because this tastes a lot like garbage. Well, that's a that's a that's a fair way of, of putting it. Um, and talk just kind of the. I think honesty is appreciated, um, and he is confident in his decision making. You saw things in that game. It's one game, but you saw things in that game that the front office had been wanting Mike to do for six and a half years, and yeah. I it had not become something he would do, or he might do it once and then he would not do it again. But you saw, as you said, going for going for the blood in the water with Jose Martinez in the fourth inning on the pinch hit, um, getting Michaelis out of there, not letting him chase the win. Um, you saw the lineup shake up. You saw um, Harrison. Ba- what about Harrison Bader tweaking his knee around first cold. base and trying to fight to stay in the game, and them saying, "Hey, man!" And, and Mike Schilt even explained it. He said. Yeah, Harrison wanted to stay in, but his legs are the biggest part of his game. So we said, come in, come in the dugout and take, you know, until the rest of the All Star break off. And I mean, man, like I think I think the clarity and the willingness to explain helps, not just because it makes us feel good to have more fun interviews, but but seriously because it shows a confidence in the decision. Mo was really wanted to hammer this home when he talked. To, I talked to him after the game, and he he wanted to hammer it home that, you know. I was saying, look, you know, the guy doesn't necessarily walk in the room and look like a manager. I mean, he's right. got his glasses, he's got his hat pulled down Head low. He kind of looks like a grocery store manager more than a baseball manager. Yeah. But he is—he knows the game. And Mo, Mo was like, Mo was making the point. He doesn't. His his mannerisms might not scream major league manager like Mike Matheny's did, who very much looked the part. But he is not 
he might not seek out the spotlight, but he is not going to back down or be hesitant to, to make the moves that he feels like gives his team the best chance to win. And I think that helps the players because one of the things the players talked about at the beginning of the game with Schultz is all he cares about are winning baseball games. And not in terms of like being selfish about it, but in terms of there's no other baggage there. Yeah. It's not it's not I mean it's, it's, not, not, it's not James Kahn in the program it's like not that. Playing, it's, it's, it's not it's, playing it's not playing with the with a different purpose. It's not you know trying to it's just baseball. Yeah. It's just hey let's go out and put the team on the field that's gonna win the game today. And let's all pull the rope in the same direction. And I'm gonna make some moves you don't like. I get it. Come talk to me about it. Seriously come talk to me about it. And I might not agree with you, but you can always come and yeah. and I think with Matheny the open door policy, it was always said, but I don't know if it was actually believed in for those guys. And I think yeah, especially with some of the younger guys. I maybe. think with Schilt they feel like they can say, hey, you know, why did you do this? And he'll say, this is my reason. And they'll say they'll either say okay or well I don't like it, but then they're gonna go off and play the game. I think he has the respect of the guys in that room. I think he I think guys feel like he treats them fairly and he's transparent mm. and there's not and there's it's just about putting the lineup out there that, that wins the best game. Now they're gonna have to figure out here how he wants to roll. Because I think he has been to what well, I don't think I know he's been told we want to see better energy in this team. Obviously wanna see more wins, wanna see better defense and better base running. He has been asked to address the sore spots that fans are sick of watching. Yeah, and, and arguably the spots that have led to not winning games. I mean, I think fixing those three things means you start winning games. That, that would be the argument, absolutely. And and, and so how is he going to do that? Well, he's coaching to try to get the job. So he's, might, he's going to play the lineup that he feels like helps him with those things. And I think that's how you'll start to see the Cardinals work at the deadline. Uh, everybody asks buyers or sellers, buyers or sellers. And, yeah. and they're trying to figure that out. I mean, if it just goes south, if they get, you know, if they get – if they get, if they get crushed in Chicago, out, yeah, then the then you got to look at okay, it's time to start maybe getting something back for these pieces that we have. If we're very clearly out of it, but if they're still in the mix, then I think you're going to see them make moves that that fortify their this strategy, needs, and yeah. uh, and really not making any additions that 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 hurt them beyond this season, but maybe making some additions that help them now and also later would be the, kind of the best case scenario if they feel like they're trending in a positive direction yeah and i think he's 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 got a more collaborative i think approach with the front office as well like some of those things that you talked about like they wanted to they wanted maybe to see mike do and he wasn't doing them consistently and the the synthesis of data and numbers driven decision making i think there's it's probably a little bit of a cleaner shared vision between the manager and the front office and i think like you like you kind of illuminated when all of that is working that is what's best for the players because they at least know this is what we're accomplishing with this move and we know that it's not going to be an argument that we're going to have in another month this is the approach that the cardinals as a whole from bill dewitt all the way down to colton long at second base want to take to this particular situation and i think some of that disconnect between maybe the manager's office and the front office um kind of like uh, had some adverse effects in communicating what in communicating decision making to players and getting some level of consistency um, I think that helps so much of so much of this game is communication um, guys want to know where they stand they want to know what they need to do to do better they want to know why they're doing worse they want to know they want to know that their perform that their what happens is based off of performance and I think most of them at the end of the day can appreciate that yeah. Um, but when they feel like there are other things in play, well, this guy's been around longer, so he gets to do certain things that I don't. Or, well, you know, this is why they want to use me in this spot, but, but, but they've told me this, and I'm doing what I need to do, and I'm not there. Why not? I mean, you have yeah. to. You have to. Some of it's it's different than it used to be. I mean, the players are younger, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we live in a generation. And I'm not saying this as like a old man barking at millennials. I'm 28, but we live in a generation now where you have to have more communication with young guys you, you know they need to be they need to know where they stand they need to be encouraged they need to be supported and I mean you can say no that's not the way that should be done and that's fine but don't but expect it, to get the results that yeah, you want either I mean yeah. you either adapt or you or you well, wither up and die so I think you need like, someone who can have it's a combination you don't want somebody who's just a pushover and Mike Mike Schilt has not been described to me as a player's manager. He's been described to me as, hey, he sets the tone. Yeah. And if you don't like it, tough, but come talk to him about it. 
And I think that's the difference. There's a difference between if you don't like it, tough, and if you mm. don't like it, let's talk. But I'm still my, I'm just, yeah. you probably still won't change my mind. Well, I think guys, guys, guys want to know that their that are, voices are heard. They, they, those de- decisions on where they play, what chances they get, they're very conscious too of the financial aspect of this. That there are opportunities where you're not, if you're not getting them, you're watching the ability to earn you know, the money that you're going to have to live off the rest of your life kind of tick away. And I think anytime you're messing with careers and young guys are much more aware of how the years work in their careers and, and when they can earn and when, you know, how much time they have to spend, you know, on the rookie deals and stuff. I think you can't mess around with someone's career without them having a clear explanation of what's going on. Or you have to at least have a sense that what you say is going to be the way it is. Well, that's when the, we get that's, there. that's the, that to me is the part of the thing here is, what is the message to the clubhouse? What are we doing? Yeah. Are we going defensive initiative? Okay, we do it for one game and then we go all of our offensive guys and, and sacrifice defense to the next. It's like what? Like give yeah. like they need a plan yeah. and they need a, a consistent voice. In this case, they needed a new voice. So I think Mike Schilt has a plan. I think he's going to stick to that plan. And there will be people who don't like it because it'll mean they play less or they might get moved. Um, but but you got to have an approach or else you're just out there mixing it up doing something different every day and you're going nowhere yeah well we've covered the mike mike shield aspect as a legitimate contender for this job uh mike you put together god there's a lot of mics that we talk about mike you put together uh, a few tiers a few categories of potential uh managers for the cardinals and discussing this is no disrespect to mike Schilt, but a lot of people are wondering if it's not mike Schilt, what are what are the options and run us through the 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 tiers that you've assembled here. Sure. So, like you said, Schilt is a is a great candidate for the job, and like as we mentioned, as Alex said, he's the guy for the rest of the year. But once the season ends, it's fun to imagine who who could be in the dugout next year. So, we, in the tiers, we have uh, in the organization options. Mm-hmm. We have former former Cardinal options, coaches on other teams options, and the let's get weird with it options. So, I see Raul Abanez on the let's get uh, weird with it yeah, option. Yeah, he's. Uh, reportingly wanting to manage in Major League Baseball. So not a lot of ties. I am but too. Am I on the list? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah for, I was like, I haven't gotten the call. But, well, and we'll move we'll move through these kind of quickly because I think we could probably spend plenty of time on any of these guys. Mm-hmm. We'll start – We'll start with the or- in the organization options. I think Mike Schilt clearly is the is the lead horse in that race. Uh, Stubby Clapp really, I mean, could not have had a better run of it when he came aboard at Memphis. Uh Won the won the league. Won I think he won Manager of the Year. Um, a lot of people thought his name might be called, and he still might be on the list. But I think I think what you said before about how how Schilt has impressed and the way he's impressed. I think he's he's more to me that generation or type of manager than Stubby Clapp is. Stubby Clapp is kind of a baseball guy. Like, you know what I mean? He's more he, – I think he's a little bit closer to Mike Matheny than he is to Mike Schilt probably. He's been willing – well, he's shown some diversity in his game down there that I think should be appreciated. His bullpen guys don't really have roles. He's basically mm. just doing that on the fly. Um, he has managed a lot of these guys now. Um, yeah, that's true. They, they have taken from him – all of his players, it seems, and they keep winning. Um, it's that's remarkable, remarkable what he's what done. done with the turnover and, and the system. And Bill DeWitt's really impressed with him. I talked to him about him after the the press conference, and he said it's because we keep taking their players and they keep finding a way to, to win. win. Yeah. And my follow up question for him was, do you get the sense that other teams are interested in him? You know, yeah. the biggest the biggest whispered you know thing about Stubby is that the Toronto Blue Jays are going to come in and poach him at any minute. Um, and that, uh, so that, you know, if the Cardinals were to see him leave and have success somewhere else, the guy's in your backyard and, and you had the chance here. Um, I think that, I think obviously the Cardinals have tipped their hand here by giving Schilt the, the extended interview, quote unquote, then that's, he's their first preference. Now, what if things go wrong? I think he's very clearly at the, at or near the top of your list of internal options. The, the other one that you have listed here is Jose and, uh, and he should be he should be considered as well. He's considered for the interim job. Um, they, I think yeah. the organization felt like 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 Mike Schilt had the best relationship or the, not the best relationship, but more relationships with the guys as opposed to Jose. He's he managed yeah. more of them before. Um, and Jose and Jose certainly has he has had very very good relationships with guys on the team. A few of them 
have been moved to other places now. But he's, I mean, he's, well, he's one of those guys. He's like one of the first faces they see in spring when they get well, down there. He's also the got the order. best relationship with the most important player on the team. And yes. that shouldn't be overlooked. He is Yadier Molina. I mean, Yadier Molina credits him with teaching him a lot of what he's learned about catching. Um, the guys would play hard for, for Okendo. I just don't – I don't know. I can't say here sitting today where he stands. That's, I was going to ask um, you if you could shed any light on change. this. It seems to Does Jose Okendo want this It depends job? on when you I, ask him. Like, yeah, um, I can't – I can't – figure him out uh well he initially he told rick hummel who he you know speaks very you know he really when he dishes he dishes to rick as they've known each other for a very long time and that's how it should be he told him last season that he that 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 window had closed that he didn't didn't see that being in his future now does that change if the cardinals say jose you're our guy i don't know i mean we all say things like we couldn't see yourself moving to you know new york today well if your dream if a dream job came by and said we want to move to new york maybe you'd think about it differently today yeah um, obviously okendo is very mindful of anything he said now impact potentially impacting yeah. you don't want to you right. don't want to disrupt and he has thrown his support behind mind. Schilt for the interim job now so maybe that question comes in chicago is okendo can clear up where he stands on this yeah but uh, he has talked with Mo. He was considered, and he, if, if they do go internal, or if they if they if the, if Schilt turns out not to be the guy, then they're going to look at internal options as they always should, and he would have to be in there. Remember, he did say well, didn't plan on coming back to coach with the Cardinals. Yeah, he wasn't. He was. He was and that changed. Beach. Yeah. So I, I do think there's always room for things to change. Well, I think let's move to the Mike. Let's move to the the former Cardinal options. I mean, run through those. Yeah, run through, and I, I'm going to ask you which one you like, which which one, which choice you think. Yeah, would there's be the there's best. one that stands out probably the most in there uh, of the former yeah. Cardinal, and he didn't play very long. But I have Mark McGuire, Carlos Beltran, Joe Girardi, and I just threw Skip Schumacher on there because I love Skip Schumacher, <laughs> and he is a coach now. <laughs> and they, so. and they do they do love him in St. Louis. Yeah. He could continue his war with Adam Wainwright. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. pranking. He had to make Adam Wainwright a coach, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that would, I mean, that'd, that'd, that'd be unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I I don't want to tip my hands. I think there was – I've shifted here who I think would be a good fit but for different reasons. So, Ben, if out of that list, who are you? <laughs> who do you eyeball? Well, can I go most likely and most intriguing to me? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I think most likely is Girardi. Yeah. Um, he has a relationship, a longstanding relationship with John Moselock. It dates back to Colorado. He has co- managed in the pressure cooker that is New York. He has a ring. Um, made the playoffs. Having a, having a ring is a big deal because it says that you've been there and you've done that. So yeah. when things go poorly, you can always fans can always know. Well, he knows what it, he knows mountain, what it takes, and, and and he's been there before. And I think that matters, especially to this fan base. Um, the knock on Girardi, if there is one, well, there's a few things. Does he want to do it? Mm-hmm. Because that's such a such a grind. And you want you don't the last thing you want to do is bring back a guy who is not ready to come back. Now he says he's ready. This week he said that he's ready to manage again. Um, how do you vet that? How do you how do you know that that it's not going to get two months in and go? God, I yeah. wish I was on MLB Network instead of I was, doing I was this just cashing those checks, doing man. this yeah. daily grind. So and then I think you also want to look into some of the things that were reported now. Apparently there was some he had some issues relating to young players younger, younger guys. in New York. How much of that is re- I don't know. I wasn't there, um, but you'd want to vet that. And then also you want to know that he's bought in on the, the front office's way of thinking. Um, yeah. He has been broadcast as more of an old school guy. If that stands up, then uh, that might be a bit of a uh, an obstacle course because I think they're going to want someone who's more new age, more, yeah. more in line with the new age thinking. Um, he is a. He's. Some people compare him to Matheny in terms of their demeanor. He can be standoffish with the media at times. I do think he's probably much more praised for his in-game tactician, is managing yeah. than than Mike. Um, and he has the connection. He's from Peoria, right? He's played for the Cardinals. He knows the history. This could be a nice second act for him. And I'd also point out that guys learn a lot oh, in yeah. second jobs, um, or you know, after they've been fired. Um, how could we not? Um, it, it oftentimes, you know, Tony ask Tony Larusa about being fired. Um, he's yeah. been fired, and, and, and he'll tell you that it changed things when he when he went back to, to managing. So I don't, you know, a lot of people have poo pooed Joe Girardi. I could see it making sense. 
the most intriguing one to me on this is Carlos Beltran. Yeah. Um, because I've got, I've got, yeah, I've, I've got a, a, something to say about that that I've been thinking too. He managed. He he basically was kind of almost like a player manager when he was here. He's interviewed for the Yankees job, so he got in that room. Um, he would have the ultimate respect of of the players, some of which he played with. Or teammates. Yeah. Um, so I, I I do like that name maybe more than more than some people. I don't like the idea of Mark McGuire just because I'm not I'm not a, I'm not all for. I just don't understand the city's relationship with Mark McGuire. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, okay. I don't get it. Is that a, is that a hot? Is there a it's hot not. Take I, I don't want to get into it. Like okay. it's not the purpose of this podcast. I'm not afraid to. I just to me it's like, I, it's, just, it's just. I think it's weird. I so here's what I, I I talked about this with Chris Raby on KMOX, and we were talking about um, given the demographic makeup of a, a most modern clubhouses, um, I think it's undeniable what you know tactician aside what you could bring to that environment when you have a guy who played i don't know i can't remember how many seasons carlos beltran played but two decades worth of major league baseball through the change uh in style and everything else but but got very used to the the american way of baseball and and all the unwritten rules and the the poo-pooing and the pearl clutching and the ball you know the bat flips and how they were destroying the game but he's, he's from Puerto Rico, and he grew up, and he knows how you play the game culturally that way. And I think being able to bridge that divide for a lot of, you know, you got the crusty old veterans and the guys that are coming up, and they might not understand, you know, oh, I didn't mean to upset anybody with the music in the clubhouse, or like, you know, I, I had fun out there, and I tossed my glove, and all of a sudden I'm getting yelled at. I think it's, given how many young guys come from a different style of baseball, or a different culture of baseball, and and how young they come over to play with international signings, I think it, it would it's you it cannot be overstated the impact I think of a manager to be able to bridge that gap. Both here's how we play it in the majors, but here's how things are going to feel different, and here's how teammates can you can explain both sides to each each and every each and every guy. And I just think that that I'm I'm surprised there hasn't been more effort from front offices to try and identify guys that can help because I feel like so much of that like how much crap did Carlos Martinez go through and how much time did he say man I you know I was really immature and you know to have a guy like Carlos Beltran who's like you said has infinite respect but also can can speak both to shared experiences in Major League Baseball and growing up and coming over here from a different country I think that that's that's so helpful and I'm I'm just surprised that there aren't there aren't more moves to try and identify guys like that. One of the questions about Beltran that you would have or anybody in that position would be like, how do you gauge a guy's ability to actually do the X's and O's of managing the game? So much of management has been taken out of the manager's hands, but if there is one thing, for the most part, it's the lineup and the in-game strategery, yeah, if you will. So how do you, how do you test yeah. a guy in that? I mean, playing – is great and he played as long as anyone um but but it's totally different when you're doing it as a manager and i don't know how you would almost like want to put him through a simulator or something yeah i think that is tough because the instincts you have as as a player are not are very rarely that macro you know what i mean you can you can have every sense of how to like aj Przinsky showed up and famously called shelby miller's game cold without knowing anything about the hitters or his pitches or anything like that that's a completely different thing than to sense when you're about to push this guy one hitter too far. Or you can look three innings down the road and see how this double switch right here is going to come back to bite you. I think there's – like, you have to rewire a brain a little bit if you've been a player that long because some of those decisions you were – like, you know, you were a, a participant in a decision or a piece that was decided for, but you haven't had to think about those decisions every night and really kind of, like, tune your antenna to knowing when they need to be made. I think you saw that in Matheny. Um, yeah. I think you saw a lot of how he thought about the game as a player and how he played the game creep into how he managed the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw him never can even consider batting a pitcher, you know, eighth. And that was another Be- one of those it, it was, overprotective things where he always gave the same answer where it was like, well, no, you're the guy the answer, that comes in and here's you're the answer. ninth, you, you know, that, that really hurts to see. Well, the he answer was so he wasn't times. a good hitter. And he would have been devastated if yeah. that would have been done to him. Yeah, um, that was the answer. That's what um, I'm saying. Is you said if you're the guy that sees your name ninth, you know that's really tough to see. Right. I'm like what? 
they're they're the, adult men who are professional baseball players. <laughs> they're not. They're gonna. What are they? <sighs> I, I mean, you're, you you saw a lot of how he felt about the game personally as a yes. player. Manif, you know, manifested in how. For, the not not a manifesto yeah. pun, but manifested in how he managed. And I I don't I, I wouldn't want that <laughs> if I'm if I'm hiring a candidate. I would want them to manage in the way that gives them the best strategic ability to win and have the people and communication skills to get everybody on board with that. I don't want you to manage to please players. I want you to be able to manage to win games and then get players to understand why. Yeah. That's what I want in a manager. And I think uh, I think you need to be careful when you're when you're hiring somebody who hasn't done it before that they can prove to you that they can do that because you you don't get a season they, of yeah. a of a tryout because it's different now. It's you know it's, it's like if you all worked in the same department and then all of a sudden the next day you were hired to be in charge of that department. You remember what it was like to work there, but you have to separate yourself. You know, like your emotions, your thought process have to be different now because you can't still treat it like you're still working in the department. You have to do what's best for the department, and the employees need to understand after. Another example, the Cardinals shift fewer shift shift like among the least in baseball, and the response always given was, well, the starting pitchers, they don't like it. Okay, so wouldn't you rather have someone who says, we're going to do this because it's going to give us a better chance to win games, and this is why our players, our starting pitchers, are going to be on board with it, yeah. as opposed to we're not going to do it because they don't like it. Like, yeah, you need to give, you need to manage the, manage in a way that gives you the best chance to win, and then have the communication and leadership to get your players to be on board with it. That's that's what I would want. Well, and so for outside of the the former, well, some of these are former players, but coaches currently coaching on other options, other teams. Do, do any of these jump out at you, either of you? Uh, Joe Espada, who's bench coach for the Astros. Sandy Alomar Jr., coach with the Indians. David Bell with the Giants. And uh, old Jimmy Riggs, Jim Riggleman, managing those feisty Reds right now. Do, well, any, do, any, of those, do any of those jump out to you as, ooh, uh, that's one they should entertain? Riggleman, is, his stock keeps going up. Boy, yeah. uh, the Reds are probably Boy, gonna, I would think extend him. Um, yeah, I was gonna if say if you're gonna, going if you're gonna go get him, you better go get him because I don't think he's I don't think his contract is going to be very uncertain for very long. Used to be jogging buddies with uh, John Mosellock, so that should not go uh, discounted. Um, the other names, um, you know, I don't know. I, I I think David Bell's a great baseball guy. I I think they might be a little too. I wonder if he might be too closely tied to Matheny to be yeah. a good sell here. Former, former coach. And that's, for those who don't I, know, I feel bad coach. saying that, yeah. but but you do have to think about how you're going to sell this a little bit, and yeah. I don't know that that, that works. Well, the, I like the so the let's get weird options. <laughs> okay, okay. So Ron Washington's on here, which is I had to throw that him is on a that. heat check call right there. Yeah. Uh, so you got Yadier Molina. Now is this as player coach? Or is this? How did this happen? What I, happened? You know what it was. It, it was. It, I guarantee. I feel like I'm old right now. I guarantee now. you, this is what happened. This is at the All Star game, and ESPN asked him. They put the quote up that says Yachty would love to be a player coach. It'd be an honor or whatever. And of course, it got framed as like, well, Yachty's you know champing at the bit to get player coach title. Yachty's really, pushing Schilt out. Yeah, and, and really, I'm guessing Louis. what happened was it was kind of like an idol, like, hey, if this if that situation were to ever happen. Would you? Is that something you would do? Would you? But that be fun to be a player coach? And Yachty goes, yeah. Like that's. I, I guarantee you, this is what that happened. There's no way that Yachty just went out and was like, I should be the player manager of this team. He would um, never take an off day if he was the manager. Oh my god, <laughs> he would no. never ever take. Yeah, an off he'd, be, day. he'd catch 160. He would have games. arguments with himself about him needing an off day. <laughs> um, out of these, uh, Jason Giambi. Uh, out of these. List. I think that <laughs> I don't see anyone on there happening, boys. No, I don't think so. I do think that I would uh, like to be cool to hang out with Ron Washington while he like smoked cigarettes during right. the media scrum or something. <laughs> the John Daly of the <laughs> of the managerial crew. I do think that, and this is probably proximity bias or recency bias for me, but I do think that one of the guys, uh, former you know Yadier Molina is a guy, former player who I think his brain is a little is wired a little bit more macro in terms of seeing kind of the whole chessboard of a game. Um, but I'm still – his intensity and personality as a player, I'm, I'm not sure how happy he would be managing. I think that he could probably tweak his instincts and things. But I just – he seems like a guy that wants – you know, he'll be dragged off the field by wild horses uh, at some point in his career. And I, I'm not sure that he would enjoy 
being part of the game but not being able to physically get out there and impact it. And I wonder if that's something that he would even... I don't know that even if he, when he gave that answer, if he considered that managers do media before and after yeah, that's every, every single yeah. game, <laughs> in addition to like radio shows and yeah. everything. So. I think I, I just don't think he'd be super happy at it. But I don't want to speak for him. But um, one name left off this list that I think that you'd probably you'd probably consider would be Dusty Baker. Woo! I think he'd be. I I think if you opened the door and you were like, okay, we got to really take a look at who who we're working with, he's going to be on that list, is he not? I mean, I think everybody should be on their list. I mean, it's the same with those Cardinals. Like I mean, you don't, he's, and he's a he's a high profile guy. Players love to play for him. Like he's famously he, called Bryce Harper, Bruce Harper. <laughs> he's he's and he's also very much invested in the. Community. Does that mean Harper comes with him? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no, yep. he'll be he'll be here already. I um, I, yeah, that I don't. I got nothing against Dusty. It would feel to me I, like a little bit like a almost like a retread. I feel like yes. when your team's like. We have uh, we we need a manager. It's like kind of like I would like to see something with maybe a little more vision. Yes, um, but I but, think uh, I, I, but I imagine I, that he's going to be on that list. I'm not say, I out of all the I don't think he's to me. I'd rather roll it with Mike Schilt than probably go Dusty Baker. But I I I, have, I think we have to acknowledge that he's probably going to be part of any managerial search for most teams because you like to know that whoever you're hiring at least has some experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one name that's not on here that, that's at least worth mentioning is, um, and this one came from Derek Gould, um, Shelly Duncan. Yeah. Is oh. climbing, climbing quickly and um, has a really good reputation already. Um, so that's one that uh, if you're going to try to hire the next big thing, yeah. maybe uh, maybe he belongs in that discussion. I can see that. I think I really do think the more we talk about Mike Schilt and how this looks and how we're going forward, I do think that, if you, I mean, if you see enough signs of life, if you see, if they just look like they belong on the same field as the Cubs or the Reds, um, I can see their, the confidence in him and the optimism that he can be the guy. I think, I don't think that they really want to have a, a big managerial search. I think they just want them to just play, play well at home, contend for a wild card spot. Players look better. You see better energy. I think they, I think they, I think sometimes. We got to be careful about projecting what we know about a guy to projecting what the team knows about him. Yeah, Mike Schilt has been working toward this for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, this guy started with the Cardinals as a scout, and he has managed at three levels. Yeah, he's Johnson won City. He's won three champions, three championships in the minors. He is viewed as the living link to you know the George Kissel tradition, down to the notebook that he carries around with him. Um, that that has all of the rules on how baseball should be played. Um, he every player to a man said that he knows more about this organization than anybody else we've ever met. He yeah. is he is almost kind of a I want to say mythic figure because we don't know so little about him. And he's so yeah. I mean he's North Carolina twang and he's got his dark sunglasses on. And I mean yeah. he really he he wants in no way shape or form to be the center of attention. But I think. Your people are going to like what they learn about him as well, this I, as these 68 games go on. And I loved his quote when he said, I'm sitting here as the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, one of the most storied franchises in sports, and I view that as an opportunity, not a threat. And that was that was a perfect way, to, I think, to open. I would say that's open. the opposite in some ways is how Matheny views yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that that also informs the managerial decisions. Like you said, these are opportunities to do it this way, to do it the right way to win this game. It's not – Oh boy. Okay, now now what does everyone want to say I did wrong? So, we'll leave behind the manager for now, Mike. Oh, we're going to the All Star game. Yeah, that was last night. That was last night. Both my bets hit. <laughs> what, what were you in on? Uh, I I took uh, AL by one and a half over seven. Easiest call ever. It's yeah. The the first three guys in that lineup were Mookie Betts, Jose Altuve, and Mike Trout. I mean, my God. I thought Scherzer's first inning though. Oh, I thought that he was, was going to strike out the side. I, I, just grunting like well, no, if he just guttural out, screaming. I think on the if mound. he just his arm was gonna fall off. You you get, you're a Nationals trout. fan watching that game. You're like, turn it Stop. off, Dude. turn it off. <laughs> if he had struck out those three guys to start the game, he I think his he, shirt he off. would have stripped he shredded naked. himself. He stripped naked and challenged everyone in the stadium <laughs> to fight him. Um, Love that guy. Yadi, Yadi got in. Not a lot of fireworks, but he thought he. he I think he thought he, he hit that ball out. I, I think so too. Yeah. Looks. I mean, it's always fun to see him there. I'm glad he got to go. Um, he's a guy that, you know, there's been a lot talked about Hall of Fame stuff, and we'll leave that out of this one. But it is fun to watch a guy like that who you almost always see 
as just like his raw competitive energy and his focus to, you can see like, Oh, he loves playing baseball. And this is the one time he can have kind of a low stakes baseball game. And it's fun to watch him play that way. He really, his energy comes out in those moments. Um, He's one of the WBC special players, man. They, they make special plays at special times, world baseball classic, um, you know, in the game where they just looked like they were off the cliff in Milwaukee, he came back and, won that next game for him. He has that in him, and it's the, it's greatness. Um, you see it, you see them, you know, in other facets of life. You know, when chips are down, the guy who rises to the occasion, he has it. And it's it's there's few things more fun than watching Yadi or Molina have fun. Yeah, um, exactly. And when it comes out, it can't possibly come out in 162 games a year. Um, but when it comes out, it is it's hard. It's magnetic. Yeah. And I think that's too what you want to see when 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 Mo talks about that energy, yeah, that's the Cardinals' battery source. That's yeah. it. I mean, to, he's yeah, the compass like of this team. Enjoyable to show up to work, at least. Yeah. And when he when he is when he is enjoying playing, it's usually when they're winning. Yeah. Then it's a different. It's a different. There's a different step in this team. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. You put this on the dock. Did you enjoy this game? I did. This, I, is, this is the most. This is the most 2018. <laughs> Perfect distillation of baseball now. Because yeah. it was what? How many strikeouts? Like 20? I believe it was a 17. 17 strikeouts yeah. and 10 home runs. Yeah. How, weren't all the runs scored off a of home Every runs? Every run yeah. was yeah. scored off a of home run. Yeah. I mean, that, that was is, hard for me to wrap my brain around. That is the, that is the most modern baseball game. <laughs> like, perfect. Do you enjoy, did you enjoy watching? I mean, take take the idea of the, these super lineups out of it and just like as a game of baseball that you watched. Was, it, was that a fun watch? No. If you take it, if you take that out, I like personally. I found myself kind of uh, having a moment whenever I watched Max Scherzer battle Mike Trout. I was like, "That was fun. That was this is cool. Like this, I enjoyed that. This is what baseball needs to be more about: is these matchups like this and promoting those kinds of players. And I really enjoyed like that. And I'm, I'm a sucker for the home run ball. You know, chicks take the long ball. So. Not not a chick, but uh, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> like interesting, Michael. But but, okay. uh, but I I I can watch that all day. You know, they they talked they compared it a lot to that that game five of the World Series last year with Houston and, and the Dodgers. Oh yeah, yeah. And it seemed like every, uh, in that game, every, pretty much every run was scored on a home run. Also, and I'm I not, enjoyed that game. Also, I'm not anti home run, but I, no, I like I'm other hits too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not anti home run. And I'm not anti strikeout. I love I love a pitcher's duel as much yeah. as the next guy, but. That's kind of the thing. Is like I, there's something that's more fun about guys on the bases, guys trying to take the extra base. You know, like the can he steal second? Can you know? Can they get him in with this sack fly? Like, oh, here comes right. You know, here comes Jason Hayward. Is he going to get the guy at the plate? That some of that stuff is in in more thrilling than home runs. I mean, seeing a home run is still just jaw dropping, but. I don't know. I think that's part of that. Like the action of baseball has been kind of distilled down to a strikeout or a home run, and it, I just think it's hard to keep people's interest for a three-hour game when you only get to see a you only get to see guys trot. Like they don't even run. So I don't know. And also, it wouldn't be a a perfect 2018 game if there wasn't something that happened on social media. Whew. Which, for those of you who, who don't know, who are not on Twitter or have missed this... Uh, God bless you if you're not on Twitter. Uh, the Brewers reliever extraordinaire, Josh Hader, um, somebody unearthed some of his tweets from when he was in high school, and they were uh, unpleasant, to say the least. They were There's uh, some sexism in there. Uh, they were homophobic. They were racist. Uh, and they found a lot of them. And very, very quickly in the game... Word reached him, I believe, and the his Twitter account got locked. Uh, his family, according to a couple of tweets, and I, was it Passon that tweeted yes. that? Jeff yeah. Passon tweeted out that his family members had taken his jersey off with his name on it and were given nameless jerseys. So, I mean, everybody was pretty aware that this was happening in real time. And, you know, I just don't – one, I'm just – I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of us keeping – like, we keep – everyone just keeps revealing themselves as – either hateful or just a complete buffoon. Um, it gets exhausting to watch most of the high-profile people or most of the things that become exciting, you know, they revealed as kind of a monster, or at least at one point in their lives, kind of a monster. And I'm starting, to, beyond that, I'm starting to wonder, how is it that 
you don't uh, why do you have PR departments? Why do you have publicists? How are these how are people still being exposed for tweets from like 7 years ago? How is this happening? It's a good question. Um he you think his agency would any agency of any player would say, "Hey, hand first of all hand us not hand us the keys to your social media, but hey, we're going to do a deep dive audit of anything you might have said that was stupid." Um, before you had a fully functioning brain, if you went through a weird spot in your life where you were an idiot or worse or you know yeah. something bad, and we're going to vet everything and, and, and take stuff down if it's if it has a potential to be a problem. How could you can get to that point in life as a politician or a you know or, yeah, major a public, league baseball player or anybody any and, and have something like that that is so easily accessible for to be blasted on the internet? I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, you know, it's been hater. I think handled it as well as anybody in that awful. Yeah. Anybody who said well, awful things could did, handle it. T- he got the option to not speak, and he I think declined, he's so obviously very sorry. I think he. I'm not going to give him the excuse of being young because what he said yeah. was terrible, and he was yeah. posting it to an account that can be accessed by, by anybody. Um, I think I've all, we've all said stupid things when we were young. I don't think we've said stupid things like that. No. Um, but you know that's not an excuse. I don't know where this ends. Um, I think if you have something to lose, you probably shouldn't be on that kind of stuff, or you probably should have it done in a way that you, know, you got to be. I, I don't know what the what the what the upshot is here. Oh. Josh Hader, his teammates, Lorenzo Cain came out and defended him. Some other teammates have come out and defended him. Said that's not who this guy is. A lot of us aren't who we are when we're, we're 17. MLB has to decide: Do we suspend him for something he said when he was seventeen? They didn't. Now officially, yeah, they they said no today. They're going to give him some, some I think make him go through some classes, which is probably a great idea. And and that he has to be, I think he's going to be an integral part of the like in the inclusion initiatives. Um, I mean, there is a there is a so chance I don't know, here for I mean, him to to there is a chance here for him to make it clear that like what he said is true. Like I'm I I. Don't feel that way. It's not who I am. But Some it of also, them are stupid rap lyrics that he was it, tweeting without context. I yeah, mean, it's just uh, man. It makes what it really makes me think is like you, you can't, you shouldn't be on social media until you're like 25. Yeah, it should be like well, it should be like the <laughs> drinking age. Like you know, like literally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people's careers are being going. And I'm not. I hope this doesn't. I'm not apologizing for what happened to him. No, and, it's, and I'm not, my first thought was not, oh, man, poor Josh Hader. No. It, but it, it, it does cross it's, your mind. It is a fascinating, it, like, we're at a fascinating point in society now. How would you now. allow this to happen Because you got to realize, all. too, man, like, it's not going to be too much more time until, like, candidates running for president, um, Supreme Court justices, all these really, not baseball pitchers, all these really important people are going to have this entire lifetime of, Diary doc- of, of documented yeah. things online before they were clear-thinking adults. And that's going to be something that I think we try to have to figure out. Like, what do we do here? Well, one of the one of the because right now it's just. I mean, maybe this is how it's handled. Like, but but yeah, you just people are going to be to people. Find are, them, but yeah, yeah, it's it's, well, it's it was to watch that play out was. I mean, I'm pretty sure you saw shots of guys reading the yeah, tweets oh, in the on dugout. their dugouts. Yeah, in the dugouts on their phones during the game. It was. Uh, ooh, I don't know. Well, it I'm, was just a it was a bad look. The one of the things that that the one of the more amusing things that happened in response to that was people who had seen the story developing started tweeting out all the most embarrassing opinions they had when they were kids. Like people was like, I just want to get out ahead of this. Like I tweeted like at my, at, at, at a guy I know on Twitter, I said, uh, you know, I just want to get out ahead of it. Um, there was a, a year of my life where I thought here without you by three doors down was like the most <laughs> profound thing I'd ever heard. And I just want to be very clear that it's not the guy who I am. So I think, cause at a certain point, you can only be so outraged, and I think a lot of people just for catharsis just started just like vomiting up all their old, most embarrassing things. Which is, I learned a lot about a lot of people. What, what was what? Way what to is, find what, the positive, JJ. Hey, what is what is one embarrassing thing from you that I used to listen to Nickelback? I yeah. I never tweeted the lyrics though. <laughs> you did. I listen. shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I was working out a lot. It was bad. You, you that's what got you cranked. You up? You played in the gym. Like the, the little, football team would play in the gym and. It was a bad point. I mean, looking let, back. Let your hair down and just crank Looking back, it was not a good time. This is how <laughs> you remind me of It's a copyright. Really. A copyright just, infringement. Yeah. Just throwing up bicep curls. Mike, 
what was it? What's your what's your what's your worst take two weeks ago? Yeah, <laughs> my oh, my take is my bad uh, baseball take is still doing okay. Oh, those, that, that Reds his, his Reds were going to finish better than the Cardinals. Not what's, my Reds, but no, he's a he's a diehard Reds fan. What's what? Big what, do you have a song, what was the song that you listened to that you loved that now you are just deeply ashamed of? I don't. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with who I am. I'm Mambo Number no. Five was a big one That's for me. That's a banger. Yeah, Lou Vega. Um. Boy, yeah, three doors down. I had a lot of three doors down. I mean, some kryptonite. That's that's that's, that's tiptoeing toward Nickelback, right? Yeah, yeah. You call that as I see it. Yeah, you are. I had a buddy who whose favorite band was Creed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and not from the office. He woke up. <laughs> no, he woke up in the middle of the night because his cat was sick, and his cat walked across his bedroom and vomited right on the cover of Spin magazine where they were on the cover. And he just looked at that. And Sign he, from God. He thought that he's like, you know what? Maybe they're not as good as I think. Maybe Human Clay is not as as big of a banger as this is going to turn out to be. Well, Ben, I thank you for having me or having me. What? I thank you for joining me. It's my podcast now. I'm taking it. <laughs> well, over. we're in your I, studio. I was an interim, and they you pulled my interim. <laughs> Tag. We are. Welcome to the Ben Fredrickson Baseball <laughs> Podcast. I feel bad. I was on the radio with Chris. So I'm being deferential. Well, you are in your studio for calorie crushing or whatever. So Work on that, will you? All right. That's been the Baseball STL Podcast. It's a little bit longer, but you got nothing else to do. There's no baseball. Uh, thank you, Ben. Ben underscore Fred on Twitter. Uh, go back to like 2012, 13. See if you can find some, some, some real hot Nickelback <laughs> takes. Uh, producer Mike. Uh, my rock. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Steve Ritter. You can follow me at DJJ Bailey. Don't waste your time. Be nice to each other. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.